Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Welcome back to the podcast. And today I have another giant size show. Yesterday I had Phil Hester, who's doing some of his best work at DC with Gotham City Year One. I think our conversation is different than what you might expect from a creator. You see, one of the mandates with the guests is to have fine new talking points to make it fresh for the creator and the fans. So go back, check it out. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. There are many things that make the Fantastic Comic Fan podcast stand out. Most shows are usually bite-sized, about 20 minutes. Yeah, sometimes there are exceptions, like this week where I have a lot of giant shows lined up. I don't normally cover the latest comics. There's too many fantastic podcasts out there to do that already. I often dig around for gems. I think deserve more attention. So feel free to scroll through the podcast feed and you'll see I tackle comics from all ages. Another thing you'll see I do a lot of is supporting Kickstarter campaigns. I truthfully cannot tell you how many I've covered over the past 18 months or so. Supporting Kickstarter is key to the industry's future. Tomorrow's big stars also often come from these little campaigns. Now, if you're a regular listener, I'm glad you decided to stick around. I hope you continue to do so moving forward. Those regular listeners know that I pretty much vanished for a couple of weeks because I had a few things going on with my life. Had a couple 60-hour weeks and a short hospital stay. But hey, folks, I'm doing better. No worries. I'm here to stay. Promise. I just need a little time to get back to where I was in life and slowly start sifting through the rubble of this podcast. Now, that takes you to today's episode. It's another giant-sized show, and I'm welcoming back Chuck Saturday, who was on last year promoting his Kickstarter for the Bitter Souls Omnibus. It collects the late Norm Braveville's biggest run in comics, a huge run, outside of Batman work at DC. You'll find a link to that show and another link how you get that omnibus. I have a copy. I'm telling you, it's 100% worth getting. A fantastic addition to anyone's true comic book fan collection. Also joining Chuck this time around is Jerry McNaggart, who together make up the writer and artist for a brand new limited series from Band of Fires Comic. Their creation, Monsters and Midnight Ways, available to order via previews. In the series, magic is real and wizards have always protected a blissfully ignorant human population from dark magic. But now, a group of angel, angry elves, a barbarian named Dave, his cocky magic weapon maker and a wizard with horrible people skills need to stop an evil wizard from mixing nuclear energy with a terrible dark magic. Fans of heavy metal, Hellboy, and Harry Potter will enjoy the series for all the ages. Now, again, let me repeat. I'm not going anywhere. I enjoy the podcast too much to let it go. And I have some fantastic plans coming in months ahead. Oh, and while checking out those show notes, You'll find a link tree for the Fantastic Comic Fan. So please follow the podcast on social media and subscribe to the podcast. I want the podcast to continue to grow. And as I said many times, I want to introduce fans to a new way of covering and discovering comic books. Now, on to today's show. 
Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Chuck Satterley and Jerry Meggert here to talk about their new project, Monsters and Midways, Monsters, Wizards, and Barbarians in Heavy Metal, set in Chicago in 1976. It's a heavy metal guitarist in 1970 Chicago, one of my favorite cities. Uh, he, let's see here, hasn't made the big time with his songs. There's Magic, Wizards, and Elves. It's actually very cool. It's got high stakes action, adventure, set the tune of classic heavy metal, and the best of pulp sci-fi fantasy. That's pretty much what I read off the website. Like I said, it looks good. Jeremy, you are my first time guest, and I always like to know the origin story. So how did you get into comics and become a lifelong fan? Well, that probably has kind of three different points that it starts at. You know, um, <clears throat> I think initially, you know, as a kid, there's, you know, which is with like, a lot of people my age is, you know, there's comics from the spinner rack at like the mall bookstore. And a lot of those for me, I would probably say this bookstore, from what I remember, everything they stocked was pretty much Spider-Man and Batman. And, you know, my parents frequently would probably say they were buying me Spider-Man comics. And that probably coincided um, you know, with seeing things on TV and you have at that point in time, you know, like your Batman TV show and then you had Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And between the two, I definitely gravitated heavier towards the Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon. So that was probably from a kid, my first exposure. Um, then around about the time when I was in high school, I wanted to learn how to draw people. I was taking art classes and even though this is a terrible way to do it, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to buy some comic books and learn how to draw people from comic books. And I went to a comic book store and I was like, you know what, I'll just just check out. There's like a box of Wolverine comics. And I was thumbing through it and I ended up buying uh, a copy of Wolverine number 75, which was back when uh, Larry Hama and Adam Kubert were on the book. And that was like right around the time when he had like that was basically the first issue of Wolverine. Uh, post him losing his adamantium and when um, I just remember reading that book and that was the first time I had really read a comic and you know reading Adam Kubert's work realizing that you know the, the best way to put it is that, that not all you know not all artists are of the same level right he was the it was the first time I looked at a comic book and was like whoa this this artist this creator whatever is better in my opinion, than a lot of the other, you know, things I had read, you know, as a kid kind of up to that point. And then, you know, that made a huge impression, you know, and then just going through life, you know, with kind of where I'm at now, like about, you know, maybe mid thirties, late thirties or so, I, you know, started to get back into comics again. And, you know, Greg Capullo had been away from comics for a while and somebody in a guy I worked with, he was like, Oh man, you know, Greg Capullo is going to start drawing Batman. And I was like, what? And I was like, maybe I'll get back into comics again. And i kind of wanted, was looking to uh, maybe do a career change. And uh, you know, that, that got me interested a little bit in comics again. And then there was another Adam Kubert book that where he was, um, was like the astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, something like that. And that made a huge impact. So I was like, oh, I've got to check that out. Adam Kubert's got a book I can get. That's cool. And then there was a book um, called um, The Wake that was by Scott Snyder and um, 
Sean Gordon Murphy. And I love that book a lot. But the thing, the the thing that that book did for me was, you know, when I was younger, looking at a lot of art, you know, like in my kind of early, you know, late teens and early twenties, you know, there was such a heavy like nineties influence and like everybody there, there were so many clones of everybody else. And, you know, you had so many like Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri clones. And that's what, in my opinion, it, it, that era kind of like dominated stylistically and almost to the point that that was like those two artists were like every everybody's house style to a certain degree. But then when I opened up this wake book after reading like a little bit of Batman and seeing Scott Snyder and I was like, oh, well, this is a Scott Snyder book. I'll check this out. And I saw Sean Gordon Murphy's art and it was just so different from everything else I'd ever seen. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe there's room for somebody that just, because like when I, I like, I can't sit down and draw, you know, like those guys at all, you know, anytime I like, I try to sit down and do super crosshatchy stuff. I just, I can't, I can't do it. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. There's just something, it just doesn't click. But with those, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, this is so different from anything else I've ever seen in comics. It actually was encouraging for me to kind of give it a shot and stylistically feel like, you know, OK, maybe I can actually draw books that people want to read. Um, excuse me. Oh, I just coughed. Chuck, the last time I had you on the podcast, you were here talking about your Bitter Souls campaign for Kickstarter. Uh, why don't you tell everyone about that project and what made it so special? Uh, thank you. Yeah, um, in in two thousand five, I did a, um, a a series called Of Better Souls, and um, it was picked up by um, Speakeasy. Then Speakeasy went out of business, and it was picked up by um, Marcosia. We, uh, uh, Norm Brayfogle, one of the greatest Batman artists of all time, uh, was the artist on the series, and he stuck with me through both publishers. We did nine issues at both publishers, and then recently I did a Kickstarter that um, brought it all together in an oversized um, hardcover uh, slip slipcase uh, version, omnibus of it. Yep. And um, we raised uh, almost twenty-four thousand um, dollars. And um, I did not know how much you raised. That's impressive. That's really cool. I didn't know uh, that part. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It's being uh, distributed now to all backers because it's finally here. We had some uh, uh, some issues with getting the the product finally to America. Um, uh, Chinese uh, uh, printer. A uh, fantastic printer, but uh, they messed up on the um, first uh, proof copy. We we fixed it. Um, then I ordered it. Then I ordered a nine by twelve by two um, uh, uh, boxes. I needed nine by twelve by three, so I had to return everything because I need to um, cover the backers get it because. Uh, nine by 12 by two did not do that and it would have showed up dented and fucked up excuse my language uh but um the 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 slip case i i i've learned through doing this the slip case is horribly weak and needs to be protected at all costs so um uh those are all getting covered in bubble wrap and put in nine by 12 by three boxes and everybody will have it this month 
And can uh, fans still order if they're interested in getting it? Do you still have like extra copies floating they around? They can. They can go to ubbittersouls.com or they can go to um, uh, Defective Comics. Uh, dot Jeremy Jesus. Is it Jeremy? Uh, excuse me. Is it uh, defectivecomics.com or net? I think it's dot com. It's probably dot com, but I don't know. But I'll have yeah, it. I'll, comic I'll have it in the show. <laughs> I'll have it in the show notes. It's not a problem. Uh, right. So, Chuck, what else have you been doing since that last Kickstarter? You've been doing some other projects before this current one. What were some of the other things you've been doing in 2022? Well, the first thing I have to talk about is my book with Jeremy and uh, with Nick Goodwin, um, Monsters in Midways. It's coming out from Band of Bards Comics, and it's in previews currently right now. Um, the previews uh, order code is JAN2313. Three seven zero, or if you um, for if, if 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 you absolutely are on um, some kind of hallucinogen, and you think that Jeremy isn't the greatest comic book artist in the world, and you think for some reason Ben Templesmith is better, obviously you're on drugs. Um, uh, that order code uh, for the Jer- uh, for the Ben Templesmith uh, variant is. J A N two three one three seven seven one, but I, I don't know why you would do that because Jeremy's right here. You want to look Jeremy in the face right now. I mean, you you want to look at him worry. right now and say, "I I think Ben Temple said, fuck you." Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I yeah. say you don't worry about it and you just get both. So how did, both. how did both. you how did you and Jeremy hook up to work on this project? How did that all come about? Jeremy, you want to jump on this one? Um because you sure. know who you know who it was. So. Yeah, I do. So Chuck actually reached out. So, but the way you know it's you know, it's funny, my social media presence is you know, I don't have a lot of followers, but my kind of basic social media stuff is I really just go on there and I will sort of, when I post something, I kind of will, you know, it's, it's multitasking. Like I'll get on there, you know, share a piece of work that I did. And then while I'm on there, you know, like I'll just get on, you know, and just tell people that I like their stuff, retweet things, you know, say hi, that kind of stuff. And I had done a a piece that was really just sort of, as a practice and i was just messing with backgrounds and colors and shadings and was doing these sort of the batman um, piece right it was a batman piece but it wasn't really yeah. meant to be a batman piece i was just drawing buildings and i want to say it was like from i was just doing a, a building a background practice and it was like i want to say it was like glasgow or something like that you know from scotland and um yeah, and I just at the very end of the piece, just for fun, in the like in the background, I just like put Batman like hanging off of one of the buildings with his cape blowing. It was so and cool. I was like, and I just did it for fun. I just thought it was funny, and I was like, I'll just post it, you know. And I posted it, and then I was just you know scrolling on Twitter, and Phil Hester had a post or something like that, and I just you know talked to Phil, I think for a second and left a comment on there. And I think that that's how Chuck found me. Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, it, can I jump on that? Oh yeah. Go yeah, on, go, go, on. For it. go. So, so I, I, at, at the time I was like, um, 
uh, I, I was flirting with the idea of coming back to comics after a long time away. And I had a book um, in my head called Cloud Nine. I'm not going to get into it. Um, and I sent a message to who I'd been working on um, many times uh, in the 13 steps. And he's my comic book mentor, if you will. I've, I'm lucky enough to call Phil a mentor. Um, and I said, hey, if we don't do this, uh, I have this idea for Cloud9. Who's an artist that um, you think is amazing? And he, and he named Jeremy. And I looked at his uh, work and I saw the, uh, uh, the, the book that um, Jeremy states he put Batman on as an afterthought. I looked at that piece and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Um, I'm 100% in. I'm done. I'm ready to go. And then I contacted him. But uh, then we didn't even talk again for a year because then COVID started. Yeah, it was like we hooked, we first talked like literally like, <laughs> like eight days. Yeah, it was like the like the week before, you know, like everybody kind of knew what COVID was, but nobody really knew what was going on. And then all right, it was just like, bam, it was like hard shutdown of everything. Yeah. And so I didn't talk again to Jeremy for like a year. And then I was like, hey, you know, that book that we talked about, I don't really want to do that with you. I want to do this other book with you. What do you think? And Jeremy looked at it and he was like, I'm in. And then um, we've been working together ever since with Nick. Uh, but we, uh, Jeremy and I will probably work together for the next 25 years off and on as much as we're allowed. Um, yeah, for sure. Or, or let me let me let me let me let me rephrase that as much as DC or Marvel allows him to work with independent writers. Jeremy. Uh, what else have you done besides this publication? Where, where did you get your start in doing some stuff? <laughs> well, <clears throat> my the first book I ever did, and this was my own book. And when, you know, it's funny when I was never really interested in drawing like submission pages for things. Right. It just never seemed like, I don't know, just never seemed like a good use of time. And, you know, maybe I should have, I don't know, but I was always just more interested in making an actual comic that I could hand people to read. And that was even from like, from when I first got back and I was like, I just want to make comics. I don't want to draw submission pages. It's just not fun, you know? And so the first thing I did was <laughs> hilariously was a book and I couldn't come up with a better title for it. And uh, it was called space beards. And it was, this kind of like monster hunting and outer space. It was sort of like, you know, I hate kind of using comparisons like this, but it was like Firefly meets like supernatural type of deal. Like okay. monster hunting, you know, lots of banner, the outer space kind of stuff. And I, you know, made an issue of it. And it is uh, definitely <laughs> super entry level, but hilariously, I made it and I was like, I want to take this to a big time comic convention. And at the time in Dallas, you know, you had like, I forget what they were called, like fan D Dallas fan days or something back. And they were big, but there wasn't like a huge like comic publisher presence at any of these. You know, you would have big name comic people come and sign autographs and have booths. But like 
it, Marvel didn't have a booth there checking out artists. DC didn't have anybody there. There was there was no real no real publisher presence at these, but there were. But but, but and, let's be honest, it was Dallas, Texas, and who cares yeah. about Dallas? And and now there is though. Now those shows are kidding. huge for that stuff. But so I actually went to C two E two and I took the book and you know now I look at it and I'm like oh I can't believe I flew halfway across the country and showed people this so so funny. But that was the first thing I did and those books might. That that book might still be on Comicsology. I don't know. Um, okay, I'll have to check did, sometime and look. Yeah, <laughs> I did that, and then I got hired to do. I uh, mean, there's probably a few like anthology things here and there that I. But um, the next thing I did was a book called Primal Instinct, and that book was super fun. And that's definitely on Comicsology. That is so and, good. And that book is. Uh, to sum it up, look is, that up. Is, is, so <laughs> dinosaurs in it also in space, and that that is literally like Battlestar Galactica meets Jurassic Park. It's called so Dinosaurs just, in Space. It, it's called Primal Instinct. Okay, and it's super fun, and it's so that's it's really that's good. It's, like it's take, so good. take take Battlestar Galactica and take out the Cylons and put in some talking dinosaurs, and it 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 was super fun to do. Okay, and then. Um, I don't know who wrote that shit, but it is off the hook. His name is Kyle Reyes. Now, Chuck knows that I'm like the biggest cheerleader when it comes to comic books, and I hardly ever, ever say anything bad. But the comicsology, since they uh, merged into uh, the Amazon stuff, just completely bites big time. I went in there, and I got so much junk I'm gone to the Comicsology Unlimited, and I got so much junk under comics and manga and novels that it's just, you can never find anything on a new site. It's very mm-hmm. annoying trying to find stuff on there. But uh, I'm still going to look around. But tell me how Nick Goodwin fits into this, and should I know the name? I'm going to jump on that. Is that okay, Jeremy? Go for it, man. So uh, Nick Goodwin... Um, how do I put this? Uh, I, I, I've been around a while. Um, I've done some things. Um, in 1995, I did a book called Agony Acres. Um, George Perez looked at our ash can and liked it so much that he wanted to uh, be the inker on all the covers. So my point being, I've worked with George Perez, Norm Brayfogle on Up Bitter Souls, um phil hester on 13 steps and i've even um adapted a book called kong king of skull island for uh for for comics which is um also going to be adapted for a disney plus television series that is very Uh, cool i remember you telling me about that right uh i i don't make a dollar from that but uh, it's pretty cool uh my point being i've done some things um, and when you've written comics, whether you've drawn them uh, like Jeremy has for an issue, uh, like you have, Ron, for uh, 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 doing a podcast, or I have for writing a, a number of comics, we ultimately, all of us, have friends who look at us and say the, fi- the, the following um, sentence. You know what would be a good comic if you just did this? this. 
Exactly. And uh, Nick did that to me. He was my neighbor and my friend and my buddy. And he goes, you know, it'd be a good comic. And he has these pictures of um, him dressed up. Uh, Jeremy could probably back this up. He looks just like Jesse from uh, from Preacher. And he had the, he has this uh, picture of him dressed up like Jesse from Preacher with his teenage kids standing with fucking Stan Lee uh, in in his in his living room. And he and he told me this story, and I was like, "God damn it, you're right. It does it does actually sound pretty damn cool." And so we we worked out. Um, uh, monsters in midways the, the 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 seed and we and we made it into a plant that grew and at that point i was like i i absolutely want to work with jeremy so i'm calling him i called jeremy we we presented it to him and he was like i'm on yeah, i'm good uh and uh then we went to a publisher they they uh immediately accepted us because the book is so fracking amazing it is an amazing uh, but book. they had some internal issues so so we, thank you um it, it, i know really i read the first issue and i'm cool. very impressed uh, very cool. uh, go on thank you um uh, the first publisher uh made some mistakes let's not get into it and um that didn't work out the second publisher had some internal issues and I'm going to publish with them in the future, but that didn't work out. And then we end up at band of bards and now we are about to, uh, we're in band of bards, uh, uh, previews right now. I, I, I stated the, uh, order codes and, um, we're ready to go. Uh, number one is ready to pre-order now. I went on to Comiscology, Jeremy, to look for your stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. I put your name in there, and the, the thing, the first that thing that came up was a probiotics pill for women. Hmm. The second thing that came I up- I definitely was, didn't work on that. The second thing that came up was, was primal- <laughs> Primal covers- That's so crazy because my food. wife takes that pill. Really? Um, You're welcome. And the second, me. the second one was a uh, freeze-dried raw dog food topper. And then, when right I put, and then when I put Jeremy's just his name in it, I got a grass-fed beef liver capsule supplement. And then I got a beef organ supplement on top of that. So that's what we get when we put in comics allergy. And that's why- Sounds, sounds like it's working great. And, oh, it, there, there is one other book that- uh, my, that should be on there, and it's another book. It's called The Signal. The Signal? Yes. Let's see what this brings up. Just, you know, this platform used to be good. Oh, here we go. I did that with your name in it. And we got mm -hmm. Human Super Beats Heart Chew. Oh, yummy, yummy, yummy. And then we got the grass feed uh, beef liver capsules again. And then we got uh, a blood vitality grass beef liver spleen and blood supplements so that's what we have and that's on. what comes up when you search on comiXology that is that's so what weird. It, no if I, no seriously i sometimes have gone on there you can <laughs> you can put in there fantastic four volume one or action comic and you will get so much garbage on there and i think you know you know what since we're you know let's do this uh i actually put in action comics number one let's see what it does here we go 
See, I got me going on the rabbit trail here. Let's go down the hole. Let's go down it. Um, let's We're go already there. The Action Comics, number one. And we have Wiggly Man Part One Meet the Heroes and Villains. That's the first thing that popped up. However, I give them credit. The second one does pop up, and it is Action Comics number one from 1938. And they do give you some other Action Comics, but again, it's not the first thing. And yeah, is so Jeremy anyway. In there? No, Jeremy's not anywhere in this. It, they hate Jeremy. No, Jeremy's in there. It's actually serious. It's they're, hard to... they're, they're, they're out of their minds if they hit Jeremy. And it, it it's really hard to find any independence. It's such a, a terrible platform. But let's go back to what we were talking about. So I don't want to just talk about you guys. I think that the letters and colors and all the rest of the creation are just kind of important too. Uh, you guys got Tom, I'm going to probably butcher the name, Olszakowski as letterer. Now he's done about 6,000 pages for Claremont's work over in the X-Men stuff and whatever he did over there at Marvel. How did you guys line him up as a uh, letterer? Uh, Jeremy, can I jump on this one? Yeah, man. So Tom is, um, I, I guess I guess the best way I can explain it is um, I am the uh, most connected comic book uh, creator you've never heard of. You are. It's like the seven, de- you know, the, the five degrees or whatever, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon thing that you guys, you know, used to do back in the eighties and how many. <clears throat> yeah, I, I am. Um, I am less than six degrees of literally every comic book creator you've ever heard of. Cause I've, I've talked about you on my side and I go, you know, this guy, he, you know, he sells insurance and he does comic books and he'll pop up with these names. And I'm like, how in the blankety blank blank does he even know these people? It's, it's, you do, you, you know, so many people. It's very funny. I, I know a lot of people. Um, and, but, and so let me just point out that uh, I reached out to Tom. Uh, Tom is the, uh, well, he's the, he, I, I, there's no other way to put it. He's the Guinness Book World Record holder yes. for most issues on a comic, and that's Spawn. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, he's lettered every issue, literally every issue. There has never been an issue of Spawn that has not been lettered by Tom Orzakowski. Now, I feel like the village idiot. Thank you very much. I appreciate that one. And no, I did so, not know that. Um, That's and cool. So I reached out to him because I, uh, because of, um, I've, I've been around a couple minutes and, um, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. What that's, about- that's how we got Tom. Uh, uh, our colorist. Yeah, I want uh, to know about the colors. Yeah, into, yeah Michael. Into, yeah, uh, to Nicholas. Yeah, or, yeah. Nicholas, Michael. Tell me, tell me about him too. I because I think the colors are important, and nobody talks yeah, about I, the letters and the colorist. Sometimes I agree. About the inkers, and I think they're I, important. I would love to talk about Nicholas, but I am not an art guy. I'm a letterist. Um, uh, 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 Xenophon, I, I just follow letterist big time. I love line art. I love writing. I, I'm going to jump out over to uh, Jeremy right now. Be get me fucking Nicholas Michael now, and um, and and I and I listen to him because I I I. I, I, because Jeremy knows what he's looking at. So I will, um, 
I will acquiesce to Jeremy on Nicholas because Nicholas is fucking insane. Um, but uh, Jeremy can talk about Nicholas. Yeah, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about the colors and how that works. I mean, I know the color stuff, but I really don't know the, you know, the, the, the big, you know, the, the, the stuff stuff about it. Tell us, tell us about sure. it. I'm curious. So it's, you know, I've worked with a handful of colorists and a lot of the time with the, when the, with the projects that I was doing before Monsters, it was a lot of work for higher stuff where somebody would be like, hey, I'm drawing a, you know, can you do a pitch for me? Or, you know, I just need like some pages for this. And so outside of things like Primal Instinct and The Signal, a lot of the stuff I would do would never get colored and would never really be seen by a lot of people. And so I was really excited for Monsters because I was like, okay, this is going to be, you know, hopefully the first book I do, you know, that, you know, Chuck was very confident that we were going to get a publisher. And I was like, okay, this will be my first book. That's going to be legit in comic shops that everybody's going to see. And so I was going to be, you know, very particular about who was going to color it because, you know, with the way I draw, I'm influenced, you know, and heavily by guys like um, Phil Hester and Declan Shalvey no, Hester! I, I, I'll and, and a few things you know it's it's some artists like that where you know like like the blacks that, that they put on the screen and the line work you know it's not it's not about cross hatching and things like that so you have to approach it a certain way and I wanted somebody that would really focus heavily on that and then you know, is good at like balancing warm and cool tones, because that's something that when you look at a book in terms of, of you know, giving it depth, because I mean, I'm just working in, in, you know, we're all working in 2D, but I'm just in black and white. And so, you know, if you have, if you start setting a scene and then, you know, like everything around it is cool tone yeah. and then you put like some warm tones in the middle, like all of a sudden that like pops out, you know, it really like gives great separation. And that was something that when I was looking at, at um at nicholas's stuff online you know and i just i just found him on twitter i i think somebody retweeted it and i saw his stuff in my feed and i was like oh you know i immediately liked the way he was you know moving things around between the foreground and the background it was great storytelling and then when we started talking to him and had you know i think chuck had him do like a couple test pages or something but he was oh, like you know what what's the you know color palette and i was like look man i was like i want this book i don't want it to like don't come in here like i don't want to give him direction and be like i want it colored like this colorist you know i want him to come in and anytime i work with a colorist like i want the colorist to have the same freedom that i have right to where they they're not coming in feeling like they've got to ape somebody else's style and then on right. top of that like i don't want it to look like everything else, you know, what, when, when you look and there's a, a book that I love called bitter root. And when you look at the colors in bitter root, you know, on top of Sanford green's work, I mean, it's just, the colors are just, they just explode off of the page. And I wanted the colors in our book to not, and I didn't actually even tell him to go look at bitter root. Cause I didn't want him to, I was like, but the, like our, like my book, like, like the colors on, on our, on my art on top of like that he does like kind of pop in the same manner. Like it's just super Holy. unique. 
No, it, you're right. Because I mean, I, I'm going through it. You're going through this, and his color choices are so really awesome. And they, they, he did such a fantastic job. And oh my god! Yeah, I, I am so impressed with the color because I'm looking at a scene. Oh, I don't know what page it's on, but the guys in the kitchen. There's this green refrigerator in the background, and that green mm-hmm. refrigerator just pops out, and it looks really. So, I mean, very cool. I really like what he did with it. it, And that was another important part of the storytelling because the book takes place in the 70s. We never want you to read it and not be aware of when it is. And so much of like storytelling, when you have like a book that takes place in a period like that, you know, it's, it's things like that avocado green refrigerator. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly what that was back in the 70s. You know, that was so popular. You know, and I'm looking at the very first page and there's the Chicago skyline. And I look at that place because Chuck knows that Chicago is one of my favorite cities. In fact, I went there during the holidays and that art that you did and the coloring together, the Chicago skyline. Oh, my gosh. It's so breathtakingly like, oh, I miss Chicago just by looking at it. That's that's good. That's a great opening thing. And that's something that, you know, that (laughs) I love. Um, Chicago. I'm going to pause for a quick second. So I went over onto the website. Chuck, who does uh, who put together your defective comics? Who does that? Oh, uh, uh, the the logo um, and pretty much everything that's defective comics is um, Hector Negret. Because um, I actually put you in there as Chuck Satterley comic books. And on the right hand side, there's a huge, big section that will take you right to defectivecomics.com. I'm well, like, thank, thank God, but... Because um, that's so it, rare uh, for that to happen. Because I put in uh, Jeremy's num- name in there and things pop up for Jeremy. Uh, Comic Vine, Fresh Comics. Uh, he's there on Defective Station. Your art station's on there. Monsters and Midways. Smash Pages 2 is there. But when I did Chuck, this whole on the side, this, you have to do it when you guys get done put in there Chuck Sadly comic books. I did it with Bing. I said a hole on the right side. You And it's even, it's, it pulled you out there. It says, who is Chuck Satterley? It's right there. Um, he wrote Bitter Souls. And it, it's very impressive. Whoever put your search engine stuff together, you need to give them an extra bonus on the side. That's extremely impressive. So I got off topic again. How do you- I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to go ahead and throw a W. Um, that's a W. <laughs> Uh, to me, uh, because I'm uh, 52 years old, and I figured out how to do all that on my own YouTube videos. Um, no, that that's impressive. I paid no, really hard to do that. Nobody anything, uh, but um, uh, apart from me, um, let me just say, uh, I I feel really. Um, I feel really uh, excited because there was a time uh, when I was running uh, North American operations for Marcosia, and there was a writer who was named Andrew Foley, and he goes, "I have a," and I was already his friend. He he he's an amazing writer, but he he's like, I have this book called Done to Death, which is a it was a book about um, vampires. Long story short, um, you are turned when you are who you are. You don't become a 19, you don't become Brad Pitt. If you're a 45-year-old overweight balding guy and you're turned into a vampire, that's what you are. 
uh, Andrew wrote that story. It was called Done to Death. Okay. And he had an artist. The artist was fan-fucking-tastic. And I told uh, the Marcosia team, I'm like, we have to publish this book. And they were like, I don't know. And I, and I, and I said, without a doubt, I quit. That Done to Death was written by Andrew Foley, who is a fantastic writer and far better than I am. But the artist was an artist I thought was going to be amazing. The artist's name was Fiona Staples. She went on to do this little book called Saga. You may have heard yes, of it. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, you know, that that actually um, was ringing a bell. And for a minute there, I'm like, okay. It's you guys gotta realize it's late for me. It's early for you. I've been up literally since like four o'clock this morning. Um, I taped somebody from a Kickstarter for a woman named Nina in Italy of all places this morning, and since it's a five-hour difference, so by this time of the day, I'm getting a little um, fair enough, really. But no, but 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 um, the same feeling that I get that I got from Fiona Staples. And I'm not kidding you. With and, and I love Jeremiah, and I love um, uh, Matilda. Uh, Save the world from uh, fucking Nazis. But the same feeling that I get from Jeremy uh, and from Laura Helsby, uh, the claims adjuster, which is coming out from Devil's Do, is the same feeling I got from Fiona. Jeremy and uh, Jeremy Meggert on Monsters and Midways and um, Laura Helsby on the Claims Adjuster from Band Bards and Devils to uh, uh, .net. Those two are going to light up the fucking comic book world in 2023. Uh, Laura and Jeremy are going to go fucking stratosphere. How how did you guys land at Band of Bars? I don't think I've even heard of that kind of book company. Who are they? Jeremy, do you want me to take it or do you want to? You take this one. All right. Um, Band of Bards, small publisher. Um uh to jeremy's uh l- let me let me talk a little bit about jeremy um jeremy was uh the artist on a book that had no um prospects except for me and and i talked to him and i said can we work together and he said yes we can um he he obama that shit to 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 another level and I said, okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get published by one of these publishers. We were then offered a publishing gig by a publisher who I did not even see. Um, that publisher turned out to be, and, and, and I'm not trying to start any trouble, that publisher turned out to be less than happy. Be fair, Jeremy. Listen, what? 
uh, the publisher we were with first off turned out to be less than reputable. I, I don't want to correct. Okay. And then we were picked up by a second publisher who was more than reputable, but had some internal strife. Is that fair, Jeremy? Yeah, basically they had want they had wanted to publish us, but we needed to be out. <clears throat> we needed to have the book out in stores for C2E2 um, this coming year, because at this point, you know, we had been working on a book for a been year a and a time. half. And so we're like, we just, we got to get it out. It had, we got to be out by C2E2. And unfortunately, you know, that, that publisher, it just didn't line up with when they could make, make everything happen on their end. And so we sadly had to part ways with that publisher. That's correct. Um, that publisher will ultimately be working with me on another book at some point. Um, but uh, the first publisher cost us months um, because the, they fir just, the first they, publisher they, cost us a full year. Basically. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they weren't very um, forthright with us. The second publisher was extremely forthright. Um, they said, hey, we we're having some issues. Um, if you want to go, go. Um, we, 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 we did that. And then Tim uh, Stilinski and uh, Chris at, um, at, at, at Band of Bards, who I had a book already placed called Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska and Matilda Save the World from Fucking Nazis. That's going to happen in the second part of uh, 2023. Um, they said, hey, man, um, bring monsters to us. And I talked to my partners, Nick and, and, and Jeremy, and we did. And they offered us a, a, a deal. And um, yeah, we're in previews right now. And it will be um, uh, Monsters number one will be uh, introduced at uh, C2E2 in March, uh, whether it be at our uh, Artist Alley table or at the Band of Bards um, uh, regular table uh, or at my LCS's table, um, Dark Tower. Uh, one of the three or all three will be offering a um uh monsters in ways number one probably uh dark tower will be a retailer exclusive cover okay gotcha uh jeremy do you live in chicago somewhere in the area I, I do not i live in dallas texas a city that has actually good internet and uh, <laughs> truck in chicago Oh my God! Here we go. Yeah, Chuck's. Uh, Chuck's we, we have to mother, get... motherfucker doesn't have good pizza, but uh, oh, my internet is good. So yeah, but yeah, poor Chuck. He keeps buzz, buzzing out on us a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, Chuck, I know you're a native in Chicago because I've spent time with you in Chicago. But why is that? Why did you set the series in Chicago? Is there a particular reason besides it's Nick? Uh, Nick Goodwin, um, who is uh, Jeremy and my uh, partner on the book, um, Jeremy came to me like he does, like like every um, family and friend member. Uh, Jeremy's uh, dealt with this. Uh, Ron, you've even dealt with this probably, um, where you have a friend or a family member come up to you and say, "You know, it would make a good uh, a great comic." Am I wrong, Jeremy? Uh, Ron, have you guys yes. dealt with that? 
Yes, I have actually with people or just in things in general. Hey, this be a great idea to and yes. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, has that happened to you, buddy? It does. The thing that happens to me with the most is somebody's like, oh, man, me and all my friends, we're so funny. We would make a great comic book. You should put us in a comic book. That's what I get. Exactly. Exactly. And so Nick, um, uh, Nick Goodwin, um, I want to say it was on a New Year's Eve or whatever in 2019. But anyway, uh, he comes up and he goes, yeah, you know what make a good comic? (laughs) You know what make a good comic? Is if you, and then he started going into it, and it was Monsters in Midways, and it was like, and I'm sitting there pretty much uh, screwed up on um, Old Irving Park Brewery's uh, Krampus Cookies beer uh, one holiday, and 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 um, and and I was sitting there, and I'm like, well, son of a bitch, that's not that bad. That's pretty good, you know. And uh, and and so we started uh, working the uh, the seed into a uh, into a plant. Um, but I knew better. Uh, we had to work it really, really out until I uh, until I called uh, Jeremy, who more than anybody I wanted to work on a book with, and uh, and I said, hey we have this idea. This is what it is. It, it was the, it was the seed that was born out of it, Excuse me. It was the plant that was born out of the seed that Nick gave me, you know, and, this- uh, and I plant and I planted it uh, in, in Jeremy and Jeremy said, yes. And that was well, um, one of the, um, he actually sent me an email and he was, was like, one of the he goes, greatest days of my life. He goes, which would have, he goes, I have like three or four different ideas. Cause here's the thing with Chuck is Chuck at any given point in time is probably working on 15 different comic books. I noticed that. Right? Yes. And, and even right now he's talking to us and in his head, he's working on probably 10 comic books. Yeah. He was talking but, about some stuff during Christmas <clears throat> that, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he sent me an email and he's like, here is like five comic books. Which one would you like to work on? And I read through all of them and there was like some super heavy, serious ones. And I was like, you know, at that point in time, it was like, we're just coming out of COVID. And I was like, I don't want to like some of these things sound like, you know, depressing. (laughs) And I was like, I don't, I was like, I, you know, I was like, you know what? I want to make a book that's fun. Right. And and that was a big thing for me because a lot of the comic books, you know, and this, this also ties back, you know, kind of to the Tom Orzakowski thing too. Right. You know, a lot of the formative books for me were things that were just super fun. And like when, you know, with, with, with Tom and, you know, having lettered all of spawn, you know, and that kind of stuff, like I just, I read, I read monsters and I was like, you know what, that just sounds like so much fun, you know, and I'd never, you know, I, everything else I had done up to that point, everything was very sci-fi oriented. And so I liked the idea of it being fantasy, but in, and that was the thing on the list that, that stood out the most and then when I was like, you know what, man, this I, this is the one I want to do. He was like, good. He's like, that's the one I wanted you to do. He's like, that's the one I wanted you to pick. That's a hundred percent correct. You know, this series is very loopy. And while you were saying that, I can tell you really enjoy and like this series. It comes out in your artwork. I got hooked on on page six, where uh, there is that fork, demon fork tongue gorilla. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in all the way, and it's just like. Who in that? 
you guys got some really wonky, crazy concepts in this, just even this first issue. I mean, how did you come up with some of this crazy stuff? I mean, I mean, you got the fork tongue gorilla, you know, six pages in. You got these time jumps all over the place. And there's I, I, how much is uh how much plotting and scripting did Nick have in with this? Or did he just give you the basic seed of it? Um so uh without being um disrespectful to nick nick doesn't have any experience in comics and so um this series is a hundred percent scripted by me and 100 percent um story driven by nick and i okay um that said i for for lack of a better uh word i just say um gorilla gorilla monster and i sent it to, <laughs> i sent it to jeremy and that's jeremy you, he does you came up with jeremy? magic yeah so Jeez. so he you know he'll he'll give me prompts with things like uh gorilla mutated by dark magic okay and so that that i think was the prompt that he gave me and then based on that you know when i started you know just looking at gorillas and things and then just seeing how do I take it and turn, you know, turn the animal into you know, I, really I, more, I, more I, I of like, 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 a, like, a, like a monstrous creature. And then I just kind of like run with it from there. So, Jeremy, how much uh, freedom did you have in developing the book and the look of the characters and how all that stuff? Or was Chuck like the taskmaster that he can be? And he's just like, this is going to be the way it is. That person's going to have this type of shirt. It's going to wear that type of shirt. No, but how did you come with developing the character? Um, there, you know, I've got a, a lot of freedom with the majority of it. You know, there's so the characters, you know, likenesses in terms of like, so you have your three main characters. Um, you have Dave, Kessler, and Kat, and they're fundamentally visually based on some of Nick's friends. Yes. And so in that regard, okay. you know, I kept them and I, I'm not a photorealistic artist like at all. I'm definitely more of like a cartoonist, you know, kind of comic artist. You have so, some great facial you know, expressions on your oh, stuff. Thank you. No, seriously. I was looking at, um, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's uh midway where the one character is eating a, taco and it's a one two three one four it's a four panel cross three panels down and it ended up being like a two three like a 12 panel section and mm -hmm. it's kind of like kevin mcguire-ish but you're not like oh yeah it is because <laughs> because wait, let me just jump in real quick no go ahead Chuck. yeah it is because it was written that way uh, so, all right i'll just shut up now but no it really no, Chuck, it's great that you wrote it that way. I can see that. But I'm you just, captured I'm just fucking with you, man. No, Jeremy, Jeremy captured that. He captured those facial expressions without like you know mimicking and aping Kevin Maguire. I mean hell he, yeah, he did. You it, shine it, in so page, many different spots. That page is the shit. Oh, thank you. I'm yeah, I, I, I I love facial expressions and I like to when doing anytime I can do like micro expressions, like small, subtle changes. You know, and it's always tough when you're on a comic book page because, you know, it's like you want to do it where it comes across as subtle, but not super over the top and then save the over the top moments for when it's time to be over the top. And then it like, you know, if you save the over the top stuff for that, then, you know, it has a bigger impact, you know, but like micro expressions on people's faces, you know, with small things like little head tilts and slight eyebrow raises or like, 
you know, slightly squinting one eye or like, exactly. you know, like, the- like, you know, like pursing of lips, you know, very subtly, those things to me, you know, really make a big difference on a page. And so I, I'm glad that thank you so much for saying that. And that even there, the color shines in there. Cause we can't, we can't talk about Tom because there's no lettering in this whole 12 pound section, but your art and the coloring, it just really does mesh so good. Now, Chuck, yes. see, I see, I pay attention. You guys don't think I ever pay attention. Now, Chuck, sometimes your script goes from kind of wordy in some spots, which is good. It's not a bad thing to yeah, like the sequence. Bad. There's some sequences where there's no words or whatever. How did you figure out how to make this flow and work right? You know what I mean? And then we have I the think everything broke up. I, I apologize, no, you're uh, good. Ron. Everything <laughs> broke up for me. Did you hear, uh, let me repeat the question. Uh, you have in spots where it's actually quite wordy in some sections, which is good because it's great. Then you have other spots where there's like very little dialogue or no dialogue. How is the script that you kind of like make that flow and sync and work really well? I mean, because it, it flows good because it's a mixture of the two. Because I mean, some, you know, nowadays, you don't have that wordiness that we used to know, like in the old X-Men Claremont days. And a lot of comic books have absolutely no word. You take two minutes to read it and you're like, I just spent five bucks for a comic book that took me two minutes to read. But you've got a different way of scripting it. How did you come about with that, Chuck? Well, um, that's a great question. Um, uh, I am a, without uh, without uh, explanation, without, um, uh, without even... Um, uh, without even apologies, I am a child of Nor uh, of of um of Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Um, to a lesser extent, I am a child of John Ostrander, Mark Wade, Brian Augustine, Mike Grell, all those guys. You know, but, when, um, when you say that, you're right. I see every every name that you saw in there as I'm looking at the script and flipping through these pages through the PDF. I can see those influences. In your script, you're right. Thank you, uh, and 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 to their credit, thank them because they are insane. Um, but every now and then, um, I jump into. Um, I, I, I'm of the mind that um, not all uh, technology, not all uh, advancement is bad. Some is good. And one of the things that are good is conciseness, um, being a little bit more compacted. Um, and uh, to that, to that, to to that uh, um, topic, I would say that Tom King, Tom Taylor, um, uh, to a lesser extent Bendis, um, maybe Scott Snyder, um, those guys are. Uh, more uh, Jeff Lemire, uh, a little bit more compact than my heroes. And so uh, since I've come back to comics, I've very much tried uh, to kind of take a little bit of Frank Miller and, um, and Alan Moore and, and, uh, and, and the antimatter of, uh, of Tom King and top uh, Tom Taylor and and kind of put them into a uh, nuclear uh, comic book uh, snowball, and um, to that matter, if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, 
successful or not, to that matter, I hope that is the dialogue and the scripts that Jeremy draws on Monsters and Midways that Laura um, Helsby draws on the claims adjuster, that Neil draws on uh, Neil Van Antwerp and draws on Noah the Gods, and that um, Jeremiah Scheich draws on Christopher Kubrick and Nebraska Matilda Save the World from Fucking Nazis. Um, yep. More um, than anything, though, um, I work very hard to make sure that Jeremy, who is far and above the first uh, of, of these creators who decided, yeah, I like that guy. He's my guy. Uh, so he and I are like this, uh, simpatico. Yeah. Um, we, we, are, we are good to go. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it. aside from, you know, Chuck's, you know, nu- nuclear snowballs, um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, when you talk about, how much the you know like this this page has a lot of dialogue and this doesn't you know i i feel like when you know when you read chuck's scripts you know you understand that he's he really understands storytelling and you know and when he writes a scene and he writes a comic page you know he knows you know and for example and the, you know there, there's a there's a scene in pay in the first issue and i don't know what page number it is but it's the when the guys are walking through the jungle and it's raining and that, you know, that panel, that, that page is multiple panels and it took a really long time to draw. But when, you know, when Chuck writes a scene like that, you know, he knows, you know, he knows when to put in the dialogue and he knows when to just, when, when to just let, let the scene do its thing. And I feel like that's, that's an underrated skill in, in, in a writer. That jungle scene is one of my favorite scenes, but I also want to point to a couple pages before that. They're at the diner, and I believe it's two doubles spreads, and it's the female character. She's on the left side of the page. She's got her smoking, and she's actually looking at the rest of the comic book, and it's a double, and there's a bunch of dialogue, and then the next page, all it is is a bunch of tons of captions, and you know, they're telling this like the story, and those two pages, you know, with chuck's dialogue and the captions and then in that second page you got all these crazy panels there's one yeah. two there's a third panel on the second double spread which one two three four five panels and they all go into a diagonal you know and then you put the colors in it my god you guys have done some incredibly this stuff just really pops it's such a great you guys everybody involved and again this is where I talk about the colors and the, the letter and all these people really, uh, my cat is like over here going crazy. It it all sinks together and pops. This is my half feral wild cat. Yes. I love you, cat. <laughs> this is, this, cat. this is, this is nameless. The cat His really, his name is nameless. And I got him about two years ago and he was a feral cat. Um, running around in my yard. And now he's just the biggest baby in the world. And you're not supposed to be up here. So, but no, again, Jeremy, you did a wonderful job. And oh, thank you. Stuff. I'm serious. I, you know, I, I was reading it through again. And as I'm going through this again, you know, and then you go back to the jungle scene and you got a full splash page of these, those crazy lions with the forked tongues. I mean, that's some, that's some spooky stuff in there, but I, I'm kind of curious if you can tell me guys a little bit about the time jumps without, oh, there's, the, I remember the dog. 
I'm sorry, Jeremy. Uh, I love That's the okay. dogs he's got. <laughs> I, 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 man, the one dog was so... Petey's too gone. old. Petey's oh. too old. No, uh, what's up with the time jumps? I mean, we go back, at, you know, to the Vietnam War. Is Can you tell a little about the time jumps where that spoils some of the plot lines down the road? No, Jeremy can handle that. You want me about the time jumps? Yeah, that, uh, it, we're not going to hurt anything writing-wise. Go ahead. Um. Well, I maybe I don't entirely understand what's what. So, what's the question? No. Uh, what, what's up with the time jumps back and forth? Because uh, you went back to Vietnam in uh, nineteen sixty-five. Is this something that's going to recur? Where you jump through time and, and talk about you know different sub stories, or how does that um, work? So, <clears throat> part of I, I guess a sort of sort of subplot of the book is there are two um, of these basically immortal wizards. And um, <laughs> Chuck's gone to the dogs there. That's awesome. Uh, these, these two, uh, you know, immortal wizards and you have Corwin and Kessler. And these, these immortal wizards are supposed to be tasked with the protection of humanity and that there's this dark magic that is inside the earth. And then every now and then what happens is it begins to leak out of the earth and it's these and this this dark magic, you know, tends to cause catastrophes, you know, and that's what you see um, in that double page spread is you see like the catastrophe of like uh, Pompeii and the volcano erupting and and, you know, th things of that variety. And <clears throat> but what you have is you have these wizards working with other groups of people, um, you know, both like makers that like make weapons and stuff like that. And then you have the elves and the elves make the seals that plug the magic that, that plug these holes where the dark magic comes out of. And, but you have Corwin who is a wizard, right? Also. And he's tired of this whole idea of, you know, plugging these holes and protecting humanity. And so what the story is over the overall sort of like subplot of the book is, you know, Corwin and Kessler sort of, you know, butting heads throughout the course of time uh, working against each other's common goals. Okay, I have another question for you, Jeremy, and maybe Chuck mm -hmm. also. I know uh, you guys got a little bit of blood and gore and violence in here, you know, especially in the Vietnam. I, I just looking at that. There's the the four tongue tigers again, and there's a a couple of dead people on the ground. How did you approach writing that and drawing that type of horror without being it's not necessarily graphically horror, you know what I mean? But I mean, did you guys consciously downplay it just a little bit? Or how did you guys work on that? I'm just kind of curious. Um, I don't know. I don't think he ever, there were any notes specifically or anything in the script about what they wanted to see outside of just like the soldier's in the scene getting killed. And I think the, okay. I think he had a list of animals he wanted to see that were regionally specific to the Vietnam jungle. So it was like this type of, you know, this type of monkey, this is the tiger, that type of stuff. So then at that point I could just, you know, do a search on those animals and then, you know, lay out the scene. And then like, as I put them on the page, you know, kind of dark magic them up, you know, you know, you know, kind of creature them out. And then the gore and stuff is works because I'm not a super realistic artist. So because I'm like 
kind of a cartoonist in my in my comic booking, you know, the things like when the monkey, you know, spoiler alert, kills one of the guys and he just sort of like, you know, grabs his head and just, yeah. like, you know, and, and predators, you know, predators the head right out of the body, you know, because I'm kind of cartoony, I can get away with doing the sort of, you know, I don't say hyper-violent, gory stuff like that, but it doesn't read that way because of my style. You know, again, you know, the coloring is so cool because there's a scene in the Vietnam where you see the eyes of these creatures in the distance. It's not the traditional red eyes that you would think. It's actually a purple eye color with a green and a lot of shade. And it's so subtle, the coloring in it. And unless you're actually looking at it and, and paying attention, I mean, you guys just do a really... Do you ink this? Are you the inker on all this too, Jeremy? Do you do all your inks? Yes, okay. yes, I do. Because your inking job, especially with what I just said, gosh, it's, it's a, remarkable. I'm, oh, I'm so you. in love with it. No, it, I, I, you know, and I'm not one just to throw out stuff, just to throw out, you know, to fluff a, a creator or a person thing. I was like, wow, this is some really great stuff. Chuck, I have a quick question for you. How much research do you go into when you do some of your, your scripts? How meticulously oh, do, um, do you do a lot of research or do you kind of wing it or it depends on the project? So the I, I I guess the um the one hundred percent uh honest uh, uh answer is it depends on the project but um for this project for um no other gods and for Christopher Kubrick I've done an insane amount of research okay um but for this project itself yeah it it it's more fun and it's more. I, I the the research has really less to do with it than the adventure and the fun. It is um, no, it is a fun fun book. It's yeah, very fun. Uh, for Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska Matilda saved the world from fucking Nazis. I have to be a little bit more attuned to um, the history and the and then subsequently the revisionist history. Um, for no other gods, same thing. Uh, but for uh, for monsters, nah, we're 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 kind of just uh, sticking to the history of the time, and um, and and we're making the history of all the prior times uh, bend to our will. Okay. Um, uh, you know the the Loch Ness monster, um, Yeti. Um, the, 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 the abominable, the abominable, uh, abominable snowman, uh, all of that has to, uh, it, that bends to our will as opposed to revisionist history where, um, the will bends to our story. We just bend our will to the original story in monsters and midways. Um, we, we, we bend everything, uh, to make it sound like we know what we're talking about. I want to look under the hood for a moment. Uh, this PDF copy, you guys got some interesting uh, retail incentives for the book itself. I'm not going to go into all the details, but how did that come about? Do you have any idea with some of those retail incentives and how important do you think those types of things overall are for a better distribution and better, you know, word of mouth of the comic shop and to help the sales of the whole thing? It's a great question. Uh, 
think we have a little bit of a, a, a shortcoming because of my internet connection, but it's a great question. Can I can I jump on that? Yes, please go ahead. Okay. Your, your, um, your internet's good right now, so go for it. <laughs> thank you. Um, so the bottom line is, is that um, no indie comic, no indie comic. I don't care if you're a image, dark horse, boom, um, source point, vault, uh, AWA, um, aftershock, band of bards, advent. I, I don't care who you are. Um, the, the bottom line is that, um, uh, independent comics, uh, really, they, they rely on pre-orders. Um, the fact of the matter is, is if you, if you, if you send, uh, an email to John's Comics in um, in 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 Fracknut, Nebraska, um, and John's Comics get a, gets an issue for uh, gets an order for a pre-issue for Monsters in Midways number one. They might order six Monsters in Midways number one, thinking that somebody ordered it. Let's order five more, right? Okay. Uh, so our, our goal is to get pre-orders for these books. Uh, the, the, the simple fact is, is, is that we need those, um, those stores that get the pre-orders to up that order by five, six, seven, or 10. If that happens, we can be seriously without uh goofing around we could be in the top 200 issues of the month if we're in the top 200 we'll be okay for issue one issue two will drop by 60 percent issue three four and five by a few more and then the trade paperback will come out where we will uh be pretty damn okay if all of that happens jeremy nick myself nicholas michael um tom orzakowski everybody involved uh including bands of bards will be uh made whole and if that happens we'll be all right okay at some point some uh, executive producer or showrunner may look at um, uh, uh, Monsters in Midways and say, I want to make that into a TV show or a movie. If that happens, then we all win. You know, you're, you're right. That would actually make a great type of series because it's so wonky and so crazy and Thank so you. uniquely different from all aspects, the writer, the artist. Jeremy, you shine in this. I thank you. I'm Breathe. becoming a great fan of your stuff. I have another question, and I noticed that this is a five issue series. And aren't they normally like a traditional six issue arc? Wouldn't you say? Or am I just being a little too OCD perfectionist? Was there a conscious choice of making a five arc or a six arc? Was there any conscious effort on that part? Jeremy, you want to jump on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it was it was a couple things. You know, we were 
we, you know, obviously, as we have said, we've been working on this book for a while and we wanted to get it out and we wanted to start getting it out by C2E2. And then, you know, like a big part of it is having a trade out. And we were looking at a combination of needing it to get it out, but also, you know, Chuck, Chuck plots the book, you know, with, with Nick, with like, kind of like, you know, what's going to happen in each issue. And so they, they kind of work those things out, uh, you know, before I get the script. And, you know, when Chuck was sort of, you know, mathing that out to a certain degree, you know, we had kind of arrived that, you know, we could really streamline it and tell the book in five issues rather than than doing it at six. We could have done it in six, but there would have been a lot of like stretching it out and, you know, to kind of make it six. But in this case, we were like, well, you know, we we can streamline it. Right. And, and end up getting it out quicker and and wrapping things up okay so after this five issues are done is there plans to go (laughs) (laughs) well that answer that question okay that's a wrap guys we're good to go no um (laughs) the dog had the lot the dog had the last word that's okay my cat my cat over on this end is howling over in the back room over here and i'm waiting for it to come in here and start howling but uh uh do you guys have plans to do this series beyond the five issues? I guess I can jump on that, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Right now, no. Um, if uh, if Monsters in Midways becomes uh, successful and people like it and people say we want more, then we will uh, we will call Jeremy, um, who is a. Uh, equal um uh copyright holder and we will say do you want to put the time in if jeremy uh if if the if 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 the demand is there and the um desire is there on jeremy's part if those two things um match up and work out then of yes uh more um, if not, then probably not. Um, at that point, Jeremy and I will talk about uh, if, if he hasn't been swallowed up by Detective Batman, Green Arrow, um, the Avengers, Captain America, or something by then. Jeremy, you're not allowed to go to the big time for a while. You got to stick with the small guy. With all due respect, that's going to happen. I know. Probably, you're but, right. Um, here, here's my ideal scenario, and I know that we've been talking a lot about Phil Hester, but you know, um, you know what what I would like to do is it, you know, if I could make like a wish list type of thing, I would like to have to have it set up to where kind of the way that that he does things, you know, like he gets to do a run on Batman Beyond, and then he does Family Tree, you know, and then he'll. He just kind of bounces back and forth from these just fantastically wonderful, you know, indie books, you know, to, you know, getting to do, you know, the the Gotham year one book. And, and just and so he's one of the few cases where I feel like you, you, you watch the things that he does. And that's kind of what I would like to personally pattern like my own career after, How you know, could- things like like with what he does and similar like you know, Declan Shalvey, where, you know, Declan's, you know, got his old dog book, which is phenomenally great. You know, he bounces from doing stuff with Marvel to his, like his image books and other stuff like that. And to me, 
you know, those are, those are the guys I would like to pattern my career after. So that way, like, I'm always like getting to do a little bit of both. Are you a quick artist? Um, I am for Holy the most part. Is. I, I, I'm pretty quick for the most part. You know, I will say, you know, Monsters in Midways definitely is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And that's just because like, you know, to keep everything era accurate, you know, I, I try to keep it all as close as possible. And that just takes a lot of work combined with the fact that we're in Chicago, you know? So if we were in, for example, you know, just a, a like, a, you know, a continuity with a lot of made up cities, like, you know, like, like, like DC, for example, that has like Metropolis and Gotham and Coast City and all those things, you know, you can give it a vibe, right? you know, of a certain thing, but you don't have to necessarily be photo accurate. But if I do a Chicago skyline, right, it has to be, it has to be pretty accurate. Like I can't get, I can't get creative with the Chicago skyline and it still be Chicago. You know, I, I will admit when uh, you guys said it was only five issues, I was initially like, I'm bummed. That was kind of like five issues. And then I thought in the back, there's no way that this thing can only go five issues. This is just too good not to have more issues down the line. Are you guys going to have, is all, is the whole creative team doing the whole five issues? Is that intact? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Well, right now the whole five issues is intact. If we go past that, that'd be the decision of um, Band of Arts. I, I, I would love to see this stuff continue. Cause you are uh, the whole everybody and, and quite frankly, together. It, it would it would it, it, it would be uh jeremy's decisions uh, as well before the big time steal them away from you i uh, know <laughs> um jeremy and chuck do you guys have anything else planned that you can talk about for 2023 mm, go for it chuck it's all you that you want to talk about chuck hold on chuck we lost you for a second um there we go jeremy do you do you want to answer 2023 or uh do you want me to jump in oh go for it it's all you okay um monsters in midways will be uh one through five finished and the trade paperback by the end of 23 from band of band of bards um also from band of band of bards in uh 2023 will be christopher kubrick nebraska matilda saved the world from fucking nazis the second uh, half of 2023 um, from Devil's Due, uh, we will have uh, the Claims Adjuster, um, which is coming out in May, June, July, August, September, October, with a trade paperback in uh, November or December from Devil's Due. Um, no Other Gods will be the second half of 2023 with a trade paperback in the first quarter of 2024 um, from Devil's Due. Um, I'm working on Airbnb, which will be a <laughs> all, tell me about uh, that. an all-ages uh, book about pigeons um, coming from uh, a, a publisher we're about to sign with. I can't talk about it. Understandable. Um, then there will be uh, um, Obsolete, which will be a story based on um, my love of uh, the bionic man um, in 2023 or 2024. And then um, uh, two other books, 
uh, Bob with Stefano Cardicelli um, in either 2023 or 2024. And then finally, uh, the uncredited history of Farragut and Foster Adventurers for Hire, uh, a Western set in the Old West in either uh, late 2023 or 2024. Finally, the last book uh, that will be in either year will be The Con, uh, which is about a series of um, uh, comic book collectors, serious comic book collectors, who decide that um, the number one most uh, uh, prosperous comic in the history of the world uh, going on sale in uh, um, in, in, in a, uh, a, a, a gosh darn it. Um, well, they're going to be offering it up for 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 bids uh, at, uh, at at uh, at um, San Diego Comic Con and Hall H. Uh, the, the 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 protagonists uh, of this book will steal uh, that book from Hall H in front of uh, fifty thousand um, Comic Con viewers in San Diego in um cosplay that'll be uh the cost the 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 uh the con but those are the books that i'm doing right now um but more than anything jeremy and i want everybody to be 100 percent in on um monsters in midways number one jan 23170 or jan Two three one seven one, depending on which cover you want. Uh, purposefully, I think Jeremy's cover is fantastic, but there's another guy. He might be a little less known than Jeremy. I'm just going to throw this out there. His name is Ben Temple Smith, and um, that guy, the, the the lower artist of the two, has a book out with us, uh, Jan two three one seven one where he attempts to homage um, heavy metal number one, but that guy, Ben Templesmith, what has he done? What has he done? Really not much. Get the, get, get the Jeremy Mecker cover. Uh, Cause Ben Templesmith. Get, get whatever what, cover what you makes do? you happy. What, what was that? Oh, oh, oh. Vampires in Alaska. That's a good I'm picture kidding. of him frozen right there. It is. Amazing. Anyway, I, I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, before we wrap this up, guys, Jeremy is Chuck. Jeremy, you go first. Do you have any last words before you wrap this up, Jeremy? Oh, no. I you know, appreciate getting to come on the show and talk. And, man, I, all the nice things you said about the book are really awesome. And I, yeah, I, just, I hope people read the book and I, I hope they, they have fun. That's what I want. I want people to. I want people to read that book and 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 have fun in, in the same way that, you know, when I was first, you know, kind of getting serious into comics and, you know, we compared it to, you know, talked about Spawn and stuff like that. You know, those books are a blast for me. And I, I want I want people to have the same fun reading this that I had reading, you know, books like Spawn back in the day. Chuck, you get the last word now this time around. I just want 
um, I want the comic book world to um, uh, wake up and realize that Jeremy Maggart is uh, easily, <coughs> easily, easily the next Phil Hester, Mike Oming, Andy Kuhn. Um, that 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 uh, that 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 swath of comic book art. Jeremy Meggert is the next one. Um, DC, Marvel, they all need to understand that um, I'm ridiculously smarter than them. <laughs> and, um, and, and Jeremy is doing Monsters in Midways, but your um, DC, Marvel, and everyone else, your uh, 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 advantage is you can pay that motherfucker a page rate. <laughs> and, and and I just have a back end deal. If you don't fucking uh, realize that soon, we'll do another book together, and then I'll just and I'll just uh, uh, jump on his uh, coattails for another book, and then we'll <laughs> sell some kind of a movie, and we'll make uh, millions, and I'll make half of it because you were stupid, <laughs> Chuck. Saturday, Jeremy Meggert, Midways and I'm sorry, Monsters and Midways coming out. You can order all the way straight through the end of February, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You guys, it's been a fantastic uh, show. I will have this up soon. Thank you for joining me and we'll figure out when to get you back on next time. Thank you, guys. Sounds good. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time. <laughs>